everyone. Welcome to the Decelerator, where we talk with teams from the Princeton eLab Startup Accelerator, slow down, and get to know more about them and their venture. Today, we are so excited to meet up with BrickBank. We'd love to hear a bit about each of you, what you do for the startup, and what brought you here. So just to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your venture? So our overarching goal is to develop technology that will allow us to use Legos after the initial purchase. There's a very large used Lego market uh, globally, and our first target is going to be a rental service that will allow parents and adult builders alike to instead of shelling out hundreds of dollars to have the experience of building one of the better Lego sets there are, can just like rent that for a fraction of a cost from us. And then we will professionally sort all the sets back together in their building steps and make sure they're cleaned and ready to go for the next customer. Fantastic. So how did you all come up with this idea and what was some of the inspiration that went into it? I've always been a big proponent of Lego. Like I played Lego from like age two to age probably like 13 or something like that quite religiously. And then, you know, you have the usual like teenage, oh, this is embarrassing, uh, slump way. You, uh, where you stop uh, building Legos. And then Ryan Osmankowski, Princeton class of 2020, had the brilliant idea to organize a study break because usually at Princeton, we have like study breaks and it's just like 100 people getting in a line to eat like some usually sweet snack and then they head off to their rooms again to study. But he convinced the head of student life at then Wilson College, now first college, to fund a Lego study break where he just bought sets and then a large group of people got together and built those sets uh, collaboratively. I really liked that idea and based on that, after Ryan started the Princeton Lego Club and that's where things really started going because I got deeper and deeper into, into Lego again and found out how like big of a market used Legos are. And then basically a friend of mine and I, who is now also a co-founder of BrickBank, started buying Lego sets way below market value in, on like local platforms to like complete them again and then resell them on platforms where there's a lot of money to be made. So our decision was basically just like, how can we optimize this process and like what steps can we take to make this make this even better and scale this up. And that's where the Princeton Startup Accelerator came in and this whole business model of trying to use artificial intelligence to empower a rental business. So cool. I'm also a huge Lego fan. I would say I did hit the point where it got embarrassing, but I stopped caring. So I just kept building Legos. So that's why I'm specifically a huge fan of, of this idea and this startup. Some of my favorites are Star Wars Lego sets. Do you guys have any favorite Lego sets? I mean, for me, it would probably be like, especially as a child, I usually just like got buckets and buckets of Legos and then just like build my own creations. So like at least in the Star Wars universe, there none of the sets are up to uh, to what I was able to create. Uh, I mean, jokes aside, my favorite set is just the assembly square from the Creator Expert series because that was one of the study breaks that the Princeton Lego Club organized, and it was just like an amazing time with like three or four people building that together. And I have very fond memories of that. So yeah, for me, it's definitely the assembly square. Yeah, and then I think on our end, it's pretty cool to see the original Lego sets like Star Wars and Harry Potter, things like that, but also the newer sets, which are sort of you know, they have so many different varieties of sets now. And one is sort of art focused where it combines like pretty classic, you know, paintings like the Mona Lisa with the Lego aesthetic. So it's pretty cool to see things like that new like utilization of Lego. 
anything around that sort of area is pretty cool as well. So Ryan, having been to the Louvre very recently, can you tell us what is better, the Lego Mona Lisa or the real one? <laughs> I mean, for our purpose, I think the, the Lego one goes pretty far. It's a pretty good synthesis between new and old, but you can't really can't really beat the lines and everything around the Mona Lisa in person. Well, you heard it here first, Lego Mona Lisa better than real Mona Lisa. I'd have to agree. So why don't you tell us about your progress so far? What point was your startup when you came into the accelerator and where is it now? We came in really at a concept stage. On the hardware side, we had a very, very, very janky prototype that didn't really do what it was supposed to do. And we're now well on our way to getting somewhere. On like the customer experience side, we basically had nothing. So maybe Ryan and Greg can share some more insight about all the stuff that they have accomplished on that side. But we definitely have a way more straightforward vision of what stuff will look like when we actually launched than we had uh, than we had even two months ago. So I'm very satisfied with that. Like I said, Ryan and Greg have done a lot of really exciting stuff on that. And it's like we had a lot of pivots on like the you know, how we approach the website and the blogs, the blog posts we're writing, the videos we're putting together, the customer, like the competitor analysis we've done, the persona creation, the like packaging and design, all that kind of stuff, I think is, is better for us to discuss. Sure. So Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the startup from your end? kind of what you're doing and what you're involved with. Yeah, well, Fred put it well how he was saying about the initial concept of the Lego rental service that we were thinking about before the summer began. But I think once the program did start, both me and Greg, along with Fred, working in sort of like a triple group, we sat down and were able to pinpoint exactly what the mission of BrickBank would be. So everything from its values to the target audience to the sort of vision for the company, whether it's three years or five years or 10 years down the line, all those things sort of needed to be figured out. And whether it's in the very you know short-term perspective, whether it's coming up with personas, looking at who we're going to be selling to, or doing a competitor analysis, or very general market research, we basically had to juggle like a very long-term and very short-term vision when it comes to things like that as well so it's definitely been tough but i think um having you know a group of people to work with over the summer and then the constant like reference point of the rest of the e-lab um, including amanda and stephanie and you know everyone else involved in that has been a really good grounding force when everything's you know up in the air still we're trying to figure everything out and we're just doing this for the first time so it's been a learning process, but we're pretty happy with where we are going into the end of the program. So it sounds like you've made so much progress throughout the course of the program. So what are some of the personal achievements throughout the program that you're most proud of while you've been working on this project? Well, one of the things that Fred was mentioning was, was really in the beginning, the plan was to launch earlier in the fall, and now we're more into a research and development stage. We kind of moved from you know, having a Shopify website, for example, which would have limited functionality and, and really wouldn't suit our long-term needs. And so we kind of realized that that would be limiting the business in a lot of ways. So for that, we ended up, you know, choosing to design the website and then moving more towards the actual experience from, uh, you know, uh, our competitor analysis. It was really clear that one of the, the big edges that we could gain on is having a really good experience and developing the relationship with the customer. So then we've been focusing on on things like creating really good instructions for the box and having a nice looking box. And then also for things like, you know, one of, one of the selling points of our company is that 
we're reusing Legos instead of buying new toys. And so we're looking into reusable packaging and things like that, which I think, you know, will be a really good option. And we'll, we'll just make the overall experience that much more enticing. So yeah, really focusing on that customer experience. Yeah, for me, it's it's twofold. On the one hand, it's just like overcoming the hurdles on like the hardware prototype development side that, that COVID posed. To, to be more specific, we, we really had a problem because our two engineers are British and like they, once uh, the semester ended, they went home. So they were in Great Britain. At the time, Germany and like all of Europe had pretty harsh travel restrictions on British citizens coming from Great Britain due to the Delta variant that was like rampant over there. So we had to come up with a way of getting those guys to Berlin in order to be able to work on the physical prototype. So what we ended up doing was like I drove all the way from Berlin to Milan to pick up the two other members of the team, Oswald and Rob. And they uh, they flew down there. Then we like quarantined 10 days in Italy and then drove all the way back. So that's like a two and a half thousand kilometer road trip to get everyone here. And then we faced some more challenges here because like the startup accelerator or like the, the makerspace that had committed to hosting us and providing us all the machinery basically like changed their mind last uh, last second. So now we're a proper garage startup where we emptied out our garage filled it with like all the tools we we needed and now we're making really good progress there so that is definitely something that i would see it's like you know problem problem creative problem solving when it when it comes to it and like you know making things happen when it really matters uh, that, that i see as as a personal achievement and then the other one for me personally is more like i thought oh yeah i will learn like you know how to manage people this summer and it's going to be super exciting but now after having had that experience it's really like that's not really what happened because what I see as a personal achievement is like the recruiting, like the team is awesome and everyone's so motivated and like, especially Greg and and Ryan always have like such creative ideas of like how to go about things and like how to, how to pivot, for example, the pivot from Shopify to, to just like using this design platform, Figma was, it was completely like Greg's idea, same thing with like the reusable packaging and just like, yeah, now in retrospect, having, having been able to, to put a team like this together with like all the, all the alternative things that talented young guys like like them can can do is just like yeah that's i'm really proud of that and i'm really happy with the team we put together and so is our advising professor professor striegel so uh, i'm really happy with that yeah it seems like you all have a fantastic team it seems like you're all really able to take challenges as they come and address them pivot as needed and end up making it work so how did you all meet? How did this team form? Well, I think the first thing that I heard about it was Fred just talking about it on one of our team Zooms. Basically, all of us are on the rowing team at school. And throughout the sort of COVID season, we would have intervals of Zoom meetings with the whole team, just keeping everyone on the same page. And Fred interjected at one of the, one of the meetings and talked about his idea and asked if anyone would be interested. And so, you know, immediately I reached out to Fred and, you know, everyone else on the team did as well. So the initial starting point was just the connection through rowing. But, you know, I'm sure Fred was looking around other people as well. But this is just how it ended up. It's definitely been working out pretty well so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was definitely the approach. Like engineers, I like targeted some guys specifically. And obviously, like especially the seniors, like it's it's a little more difficult because a lot of them have like commitments. But yeah, basically like the rowing team led. That's also like the beauty of it. Like I'm a little 
I'm a little like saddened that we that we lack diversity and in, in some ways because we're all like crew guys and we all have been hanging out with each other for like two years. But then on the other hand, we like know when the going gets tough and you know like in rowing uh, w when we really start to suffer, like we all have been there and we all have been there together and we know that we can work well together under under pressure. So that was definitely a huge advantage going into the summer because we didn't have to do like a lot of team building because we all. <laughs> Already were a team and just like a smaller like subgroup of, of a larger team and that has really that has really paid off especially with the frequent pivots and like the uneven workload and like you know it's, it's levels of stress that just come with COVID and travel and like all the all the hurdles that this crazy year has uh, thrown at us. Right that really must have helped you all be a step ahead. I know some other teams during this accelerator and in the past kind of met for the first time during the accelerator. So that's very cool that you all knew each other beforehand and kind of had that team mindset going in. So why don't you tell us what a normal day is like in rowing? As a non-student athlete, I have so much respect for those who have to work their athletics into their uh, normal academic schedule. So how difficult is that? And why do you still do it? Why do you enjoy it so much? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that sticks out about rowing, particularly at Princeton, is 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 really the the team and the culture. One of the things is 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 really we, we all get to practice together at four PM, which is another great thing about Princeton. It's there's no classes from, from four to seven. So it's uh it's it's really nice to get that and it really creates a nice atmosphere. Another thing is that, you know, particularly our boathouse has the men's heavyweight team, the men's lightweight team, and then the women's uh, openweight team and lightweight team as well. So we have a really big, nice team culture, and it feels like a very large athletic environment where um, everyone gets along really nicely. And then to answer your question about Aurora's schedule, it's it's really, I mean, you know, we have six rowing practices a, a week, and then on top of that, some extra sessions like lifts or indoor rowing. And so, you know, the the hardest part is always to manage schedule, and I think that's that really sticks out with our our team, particularly to the E Lab. It's it's been you know when when you're in a startup and uh, everything is started from scratch, I think scheduling was one of the biggest things that I learned, but also had taken with me from rowing because you know you really don't have time to practice to procrastinate when you're having practices and homework throughout the week. So having having that coming into the E Lab definitely helped a lot. But that's not to say I didn't learn a ton. For example, you know. One of the recent things we've been working on is just like having an Excel sheet where we really list out the the process and the things we need and want to get done. And having that done week by week has really helped us, especially since now we're on the European time zone. And for example, with like eLab meetings, we, sometimes we miss some meetings and then we we have to like make sure we're, we're on to all of them and things like that. So, you know, scheduling like that has been very important. I think throughout the summer, we've become more and more productive and, and have been able to work on, on that. So it's definitely, you know, something I've taken from being a rower and an athlete at Princeton and have developed throughout the summer just working on a startup. Yeah, like especially in the beginning, we really faced some like... <laughs> Some stiff headwind. We had one team member in California, two in the United States, one in Great Britain, and then me in Berlin. So that's like nine time zones apart. Um, <laughs> that was a time, yeah, quite difficult to handle. But then I think, especially as a as a student athlete and like a time intensive sport like rowing, that also doesn't have like an off season where you don't where you don't train or where you train um only for a limited amount of time. 
is really like this this Pareto principle, or basically like getting the most bang for your buck in regard to the time that you that you put in. That is also like ironically the principle behind BrickBank of trying to at twenty percent of the cost get eighty percent of the value of like buying a new Lego set. But that's also what really what really helps us here, like the. The, the rowing team also is like academically usually pretty strong and that is mostly because like we we know when to do what really matters and to, to get the desire get the result when we need them and and that shows up here as well it has it has been great in that way and yeah like like Greg said like it has been a continuous upward trend and I'm sure if we would do this for another year that would just continue to to get even better uh, thanks for some insight into the life of a student athlete as someone from the outside looking in seems so difficult but also so rewarding you mentioned that you all already been a team you all were friends already you knew each other coming into the accelerator were there any surprises you learned about each other even though you you had already spent so much time together i was mostly surprised by greg's design talent who basically like recruited him as a computer scientist and he then i think made the very wise decision of switching to the princeton liberal arts major there is the spear school of public and international affairs but his design talent has just like blown me away since then because i really wasn't like expecting that so yeah that's the only surprise come across uh so far but like you said we also already know each other for years and for like we spent like 15 to probably 25 hours a week together on campus so that no major surprise to be expected at least for me <laughs> yeah on my part i think on our team fred has always been uh, an important voice on our team and definitely for things like pre-regatta speeches. Uh, Fred is often called upon to uh, to make a little motivational speech. So he definitely has had a, a past history of just being like a leader on our team. I mean, I really was surprised to see, uh, like I think he really developed as a, a CEO of, of the startup, essentially. We really have made a lot of progress. And I, I think like, I, you know, this kind of echoes what I was saying, but that's part of the reason we've become so much more productive is is having that organization and it wouldn't be possible if, if Fred hadn't been there to keep us on track. And I think otherwise, I mean, Ryan has done a, an amazing job at, at being organized. And I, you know, there's a lot of times where Fred and I would be on the same time zone for the month and uh, we'd, we'd get a lot of work done together in the morning. And uh, Ryan, you know, would, would get in and at like 2 p.m. for us, he would, uh, he would wake up at 8 a.m. and start working and, and have to like pick up and continue to work while we were sleeping. So I think a lot of that has been really nice. I think as individuals on the team, we've, we've, uh, we've done well to, to make sure we're getting some of our work done, even when we're not all there and, and we're not all able to meet in Zoom. And especially since we're not all in person, but now, you know, even Ryan and I got to link up. So that's, that's been very good as well for productivity. I love how much progress you're making. It seems like, you know, you really started out more spread out across the globe almost. And you've, you know, slowly come together and really started to continue to develop your startup. You've made this much progress over the course of only about seven weeks at this point. So what do you see as the future of BrickBank in five years and 10 years? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in five years, we'll hopefully have a successful rental business operation in, in Europe and we'll hopefully like ride around like that time when we expand to the US. Maybe maybe we're already in the US for a year too. And we're really like growing that customer base, keeping people happy, buying more, more sets, 
maybe at that point integrating like non-Lego designers that create like mocks, which stands for my own creation. There are really some some impressive people out there. Like you can see on the show Master Builder, like people like that, there are hundreds of them and making sets that they create available to, to customers for rental and also for purchase all over the US and Europe would be amazing. So that's definitely the vision for five years. And then in 10 years, for sure, I, I, I want to have like BrickBank established in, in all major markets where it makes sense for us to be established on the one hand. And then also, I think that that, that would be the time when we can really start taking a deeper dive into buying bulk Legos and reselling them as like either sets that we put together ourselves or as like single bricks for these aforementioned Lego enthusiasts, mock builders. Um, so that's long term. But right now we're basically doing everything to keep BrickBank alive and like getting it to the next stage. It's like exam period and we just we just need to pass right now. The, the, the future is golden ahead. The future looks super bright for BrickBank. So after thinking a little bit about the future, let's go back to the start. So what might you tell someone who's just starting out since you've, over the course of the accelerator, acquired all this knowledge and all of these new ideas for how to make a startup work. Well, I think that for every, you know, very useful thing that we've worked on and been able to show a finished product for, we've also had a lot of dead ends where we start working on something, you know, think about it for a while and figure out that what we were thinking about isn't going to be useful or isn't going to be the path that we are taking. And although in the moment it seemed sort of like a waste of time and waste of energy. I think we wouldn't have got to where we are right now without having all the pivots that we did take throughout the course of the last seven weeks. So instead of seeing things as a waste when things don't go exactly how you plan, rather seeing them as a step in the right direction, or at least if you're not, you know, making something that's directly useful to you in the moment, always keep sort of a bird's eye view of which is the direction that you'd like to be heading in. And if you can say that, you know, with some sort of certainty that it is the right direction, then even though it's not like the right path necessarily, it's going to, you know, help you out in the long run. And it might not make sense until you look back on it. But when you do, and when things are going well, you can look back and say like, okay, it didn't really pan out in the way that I was hoping to with that exact task, but I wouldn't have been able to get to here without going through that. You know, we've had a lot of mo those moments. So I would say keep that in mind and see sort of like keep a bird's eye view on things when you can. Yeah, for me, I have, I have two points. One is try to kill your idea as quickly as possible. Basically, come up with as many reasons why it won't work as you can and if you can then like if you can then make sure that those are all like not valid for whatever reason and that you actually have a shot then commit to it like i had a little scare in the middle of it because there was a company from russia called brick it which is basically an app that scans bulk lego on a table and then gives you like advice on like what sets you can build and that was really impressive and i was really afraid that they had a technological edge on us in what we're trying to do. Then we dug into that a little deeper, played around with their software and came to the conclusion, yes, this is very impressive, but it is uh, very tailored to their use case and isn't really, doesn't translate as well to our use case. So we still have something, you know, like the, we, we probably still have a technological edge when we, when we enter our specific market. But if that hadn't been the case, then we probably would have wasted like, you know, at that point it was like four weeks in, four or five weeks in and like 
a bunch of money that the Keller Center like gave us. So just like try to de-risk your venture by finding reasons why it won't work. And only if you have like a good reason why those hurdles can be overcome or aren't like a life-ending danger to your to your startup, then go for it. Or at least that's my relatively risk-averse approach. That's one thing. And then the other thing is just like, it's similar to life as a student at Princeton, just like make use of all the resources you have. And you might not know what the resources are from the get-go. You know, there might be some conversations with people that at first don't really seem to be like very relevant, but then, you know, at some point it just clicks and you get some input that allows you to leapfrog on a lot of issues and also uh, and also the competition. I mean, the Keller Center is just like, especially with like the business expense account, it's like we are able to buy the hardware and buy in the the competence that we need when we need it and that's just such a huge um, advantage compared to to other startups that might be trying to do the same thing and like like on the one side all like the vision and the the big picture thinking that a lot of the advisors can provide you with but then also like the financial resources that's really a huge advantage so regardless of where you are what you're trying to do i'm always a big fan of like talking with people because you never know what they might know that you don't know that might really help you move your idea right Right, that's great advice so it just wouldn't be a startup if things went right the first time every single time so it's so important to be flexible and to take advice from as many sources as you can so thank you for that advice and thank you for telling us so much about your business now we'd love to learn a little bit more about you so we're gonna do a quick rapid fire round where i'm gonna ask a few questions And you can point to who you think the question fits the most. So let's get started. Who's the most likely to succeed? I would say definitely Fred on that (laughs) one. I've been impressed by how committed he is to to the process. And he's definitely the depiction of of really going fully into it and and completely committing. So that's, that's why I'd answer that. Who do you think is the funniest? I'd say Greg, probably, probably Greg. <laughs> Just like he, like when when we meet for our daily stand-ups in the morning, he, he always says something that makes me at least smile, but uh, oftentimes also laugh. So yeah, I would definitely say Greg. And I mean, just look at him, he's smiling all the time. So who's the life of the party? Oswald. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of those are going to be Oswald. And I think this one is certainly Oswald. <laughs> like Oswald is a little bit of our our team DJ on the, on the rowing team. And that just like translates to everything he does. Who's the most creative? Oswald. (laughs) (laughs) How about most likely to be an influencer? Definitely Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Do you have nice Instagram or anything like that? (laughs) He has very ambiguous Instagram posts that, uh, and the captions leave you thinking for weeks. I see. I see. Who's the most likely to fall asleep on Zoom? Probably Rob Powell. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> Who knows everyone on campus? I guess Oz. Yeah, probably Oswald. Oswald. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a popular guy. Who's the most responsible on the team? Hmm, probably Rob. Probably either Rob. Yeah, it's probably Rob. Rob is highly risk averse. Always good to have someone like that on a startup. <laughs> Who's the most adventurous? Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> what what's an example of an adventure he's gone on? I mean, he has just like the weekends in Berlin. He he has gone on some adventures to see. I think he looked at a lot of like alternative arts, tried to get into and successfully got into a couple clubs, just like made random friends on the street. So 
Yeah, Oswald was just like um and and going on two hundred kilometer bike rides. Yeah, well. like Oswald and I also oh, also wow. did a race um two weekends ago that was two hundred kilometers. We even raced on the name Brickbank Racing Team. So some 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 free <laughs> marketing right there. Yeah, but yeah, so, so, certainly Oswald he, he just has a huge comfort zone. So yeah, he's really happy to dive into whatever it may be and he always finds some joy in in, in that. That's great. And as someone who's been sitting on the same couch for the majority of COVID. I really respect that bike ride. Can't even imagine. Oh my God. Who would be the best travel buddy? I would give that one to Ryan. Just because I, well, he is my travel buddy right now, <laughs> and it's been it's been great. I mean, we've been very productive, but on the time that we have off on on the weekends, we get to go to museums and and things like that, and it's been a really great experience. What's your favorite museum you've been to so far? I mean, probably the Louvre, just because that's the most recent. So we have a we have good memory of that, and you know, it was really nice to see the famous artwork. Obviously, Rob Oswald and I went to the Air Force Museum in like a former British air base in West Berlin last weekend, and that was also really fun because you know, uh, Rob is a mechanical engineer and he really likes planes. And yeah, we uh, we did a lot of we had another Princeton class of 2021 uh, alum visiting, and uh, who, who's also an RTC, so we talked a lot of. <laughs> We know out a lot about like Cold War era fighter jets, so that was that was a good museum. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was great. <laughs> so, who on the team is the best at cooking? Probably Rob, because he's so vegetarian that he needs to cook everything specially for him. Yeah, Oswald as well, but like Oswald, like if he cooks for himself, he exclusively cooks vegetarian, and like it's low key all tastes the same. So I'll probably also go for Rob. <laughs> So what's the most interesting dish that one of you can cook? Maybe Rob or Oswald, since you mentioned that they're the best chefs. Well, he cooked an avocado pasta dish one time, which the sauce was made out of avocados. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty odd to see. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard of that one before. Sounds very interesting. Now, who's the best multitasker? Probably Fred. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And who has the best playlists? Probably Oswald. Yeah. Yeah. Unless when you're driving, because like we were driving back and we were like yeah. 10 hours into the drive and I asked him to like put something on that would keep me awake and he refused because the playlist was well curated. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a tad annoying, but yeah, he for sure has the best playlist. Seems like he's very passionate about those playlists. Oh, for sure. So thank you so much for participating in that. It was great to learn more about you all as a team. And just to wrap this podcast up, we're going to do a compliment circle. So one of you could start. Why don't we start with Fred? And you can compliment someone, and then that person can compliment someone else, and just continue until we get everybody. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna compliment Ryan just because the positive attitude he always brings to everything, and just like there have been a lot of tasks that pivoted quickly for Ryan, and he, he has always been willing and very good at adapting to them, uh, to them quickly. And I'm just like very happy to, to have him on the team and have his uh, positivity and his commitment around here. Thanks, Fred. So I'll go next then. I think I'll go with Greg. Well, Greg and I have known each other for a long time since we started rowing together back in 2017. But more recently, being able to come and see a different part of the world with Greg has been, you know, a pretty big step. <laughs> Not relationship-wise, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think it just having Greg around, always always willing to share anything about his life, always willing to have like a very humble and mature moment is something to look up to. So. Thank you. And, and I guess I, I will pass the compliment back to Isabella. Thank you for uh, 
for a great podcast. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, very enjoyable conversation as well. <laughs> More fun towards the end. Great. So happy about that. And why don't you also extend some compliments to the members of the team who couldn't be here? I believe that's Rob and Oswald. Yeah, I mean, they're in the garage right now and working hard like they're, like they're doing every day. It's, uh, it, it's really crazy to see how much, how committed they, they are to this, considering that both of them are just going to go back to, to Princeton and be students again in like a month or something like that. And the speed at which they pivot and uh, the creative ideas they have to solve problems without like uh, having to spend tons of money is, uh, is definitely great. And like, I really enjoyed my time with them in, in Italy and I really, enjoyed riding with them there and uh, their commitment both to to the sport of rowing and like to this team and to whatever they're doing they always want to do a really good job and that's great to see and yeah I've been not every day but like most days I'm pretty uh, I have another one of those like step up moments where I'm like okay wow that's that's impressive I I wouldn't have thought that they that those guys can do what they are just doing at this pace this quickly with this little like instructional with this little like outside help great it's been so wonderful talking to you guys get to know you all a little bit more and just to hear more about BrickBank. I already know that this is going to be such a huge success and I'm excited to rent from you guys in the future. So thank you all for being here and I hope you had a great time. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thanks, Laura. Of course. If you'd like to learn more, you can look at the Keller Center YouTube to find BrickBank's pitch at the 2021 Demo Day.